Welcome to episode 10 of Cypher Vision. Francesca, this is our whole series. I'm going to call it a season. So this is the season one finale. It certainly is. It's amazing that we've managed to get to episode 10. I think we've had so many different and really insightful conversations. So I'm looking forward to our final episode of season one. And there's a sort of circularity about our guest today. So it's Steve Halliday, who is the Cypher chairman, but has a long history, as I'm sure he'll talk to us about in data and Scott Bell, the first investor in Cypher and also with a long history. But I like the circularity because thinking back to episode one, that was Steve and me about where it all began. And this is sort of where it began as well. It's great to have both Steve and Scott here with us today who are both on the Cypher board. I'm going to start with you, Steve. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how your background led you to get involved in Cypher? My background is one of being an analyst at heart. I spent many years at a company called Wood Mackenzie, based in Edinburgh, starting out as an analyst and ultimately ended up running the business for a number of years. Following the end of, let's say, the Wood Mackenzie part of my life, I started to get involved with different companies. And in the case of Cypher, it was a classic example of that, where it was an extremely interesting business with fantastic people. I thought I would see if I could help in any way I could. Thank you, Steve. And Scott, I think you've been on the Cypher journey right from the beginning. So what led you, in terms of your experience to date, to come on the Cypher train? Thanks, Frankie. Well, I've been in finance all my working life. I started as an accountant. And then I've been an investment banker ever since in London and New York for, for Goldman Sachs, HSBC, Deutsche Bank. And, and I currently am a chairman of the UK investment bank at Deutsche. And my entire career, at least the early stage, when we talked about company values, it was always in terms of tangible value. And latterly, as we all know, most of company value has become intangible. I know one of your previous podcasts, you had Dr. Lev talking about the end of accounting and there was no accounting for intangibles. But the problem is actually much deeper than just reporting. There's no information on intangible assets. And that struck me as a huge problem. And Cypher was a company that might be able to start solving that problem. Just taking that theme of intangibles, and as you've referenced, we have discussed it on a number of our episodes on Cypher Vision. Do you think the rest of the financial community is worried about the fact that there's a lack of transparency? No, because I don't think the financial community as a whole really understands the point. The community, when I talk about finance as a whole, it's a fairly simple view of the world, which is if you can't measure it, then you can't really deal with it. And if there's no information on not just patents, let's call it, but the technologies that underpin the patents, then there's nothing to talk about, nothing to measure, and nothing to build products on. How do you feel about the lack of transparency and intangibles? Is it an opportunity or a threat? Well, to develop the theme of why I got involved, it's extremely rare to find such a strategic data set that's ripe for analysis using modern techniques. And the key thing about Cypher is that to map technologies to patents, we'll maybe develop this theme, but it allows an investor or a board from an X-ray of the technology capabilities. And it just strikes me as a huge opportunity for patent professionals, for boards, and for investors to really understand which companies are best positioned for the future. I definitely see it as an opportunity, Frankie. 
Nigel, given the comments that Scott and Steve have made, do you feel that IP professionals are pushing this information up to the board level? I think what we've done is create this blend of push and pull. IP professionals now realize that their place in the world isn't to file for more patents, but to help organization manage risk and generate value. And that's what the boards want them to do. And I think having accessible data empowers them to do that. I think what Steve and Scott are suggesting is that we're also going to see that pull. We're going to see the board being pressured to talk about intangibles and them only being willing to do it if there's hard fact, hard data. And the strategic patent intelligence story, using the information within patents to map to technologies to tell that story of innovation is that empowerment. Steve, you've sat on a number of boards. Why are boards not asking more about intangible assets? I think this is down to they don't realise what's possible. You know, what you have, I think, with the patent professionals, they've been a little bit in the background of the strategic debate. But with Cypher, they can now be part of the very strategic conversation about future technologies. And I think once they're shown the tool, and their capabilities to analyze technologies, there's no going back. So I think what we've seen over the time is an acceleration in the conversations with companies whereby it used to take some time to persuade them of the veracity of what could be achieved. That is absolutely achieved. It's now what can you do to help me do my job better and be a voice in the boardroom. And this is the key point. This is such an opportunity for patent professionals to step into the board, into the key strategic debate for companies, and really, to use that expression, to be in the room when it happens. And I just think they really need to grasp it. Every company, every industry is now a tech. So it's prop tech, it's ag tech, it's fintech. You can look at patents in two ways. Yes, they're an asset although they're not accounted for, as we talked about. But actually, what they really are is protection for the technology. And it's those technology trends that Steve's just talking about, understanding a company's competitive position in key technologies of the future. Why wouldn't boards and investors be interested in that? And I think the answer is, to date, they haven't had the ability to access that information. But now they should. Just focusing in on the investor point, because... Are investors driving boards to look into intangible assets? How can that circle be closed? Well, I think it's going to be a sort of virtuous circle. You're going to have investors asking for it, companies wanting to display it, and it'll reinforce itself. But I would say the way that financial markets operate for every asset class that's ever developed, you need two things. First of all, you need to understand who owns what. And until now, it's been very hard to do that in the world of patents. It's been too complicated. Secondly, you need to be able to compare. If you look at people comparing two different companies' equity stories, it's PE multiples. If it's debt, it's credit rating. So they're all different, but they're using shorthand. I think until financial markets can see who owns what, number one, and then number two, can we compare by technology? And I know Cypher is about to launch in that exact space, but to have some shorthand for investors and boards to say we are strong or not strong in a particular technology I think we're going to struggle, but I think that's just coming. But I think just picking up on the point, Frankie, ESG is the change event that's actually going to bring this into focus. I mean, there are so many funds which got law are being launched to invest in companies that are active in ESG, but there's no data analytic evidence of activity. 
they're just words. And I think actually ESG is a classic example of a very big and important area that will actually demonstrate the value of assessing are companies actually investing in technologies or are they just talking a good game? So I think, Scott, it's fair to say ESG has been a key focus for you. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of all over the financial pages. Every company is now very focused on its debt issuance, which has to be ESG compliant or its position as an equity story. But you've got that one mega trend clashing with another, which is people concerned about greenwashing. You need more facts. And what can be a bigger fact than a patent with an underlying technology? There's some ongoing work, isn't there, Nigel, on uh, hydrogen. I mean, hydrogen is the topic of the moment. There's some work ongoing to see who is actually investing in the technology aspects of green and blue hydrogen. And that work's going to be available in in the short while. And that will be extremely interesting as an example of what Cypher is capable of doing. And that's true. The work will be published, if not late this year, very early next year. But as you say, it's the tip of the iceberg. There was an early economic paper published by NBER about green patterns. And what that said was there's an incredible lack of transparency that's generating an inequality or an unfairness that certain companies are being demonized for having an interest in, say, oil, but they're investing billions in renewables. And I think this DNA aspect, this X-ray aspect of saying, well, you're saying you're helping the planet, but are you? And I think Cypher cuts through that noise and says, well, yep, you're investing billions and it's generating these assets, these patents, this footprint of the technology work that you're doing. And I think hydrogen will be one area, but the story would apply in relation to electricity, in relation to waste, in relation to recycling. If you say you're working in that area, you must be able to evidence that you are. And transparency about what technologies you own is, I think, an important part of that story. When I talk to um, the banking world and I say the word patent, I tend to find people's eyes glaze over a little bit. But if I say competitive technological position, people get very excited. So I think the other element to all of this is is how we use language. And patents have their place in certain circumstances. But talking more about the technologies they protect, I think, is really important as we try and move the whole debate from IP to boardrooms to investors. So important, Scott. You've had it tough for the last eight years with your involvement in Cypher. Imagine the 30 years of my career talking patent and being thrown out of the room or worse still other people throwing themselves out of the window. It's only about communication. Boards are not interested in patents, period. Investors will not be interested in patents. What they're interested in is the story that they tell, the information, the control positions, the value, the risk. And and I think patent professionals are beginning to learn that they must communicate better. But I think that needs to travel up to the board so that boards can communicate better. Scott, you mentioned that we're about to launch something at Cypher that could potentially help that change in communication. I'm just thinking, Nigel, do you want to maybe take us through how we're developing information that's not talking patents, we're talking technologies. I think this is an official spoiler, Frankie. I don't think the world knows about this. There is a taxonomy, which is about to be released later this month, called the Universal Technology Taxonomy. It is the world's first taxonomy that can shine a light on a company, 
a set of companies or a technology and tell you instantly what's going on. Now, I think SIC codes or NAIC codes or GIT codes, they've been around for decades. I think SIC codes are 1930s classification, which enable people to understand what a company is currently doing or where its primary revenue streams are coming from. The universal technology taxonomy will be that spotlight on what technologies they own which without getting too highfalutin is predictive of where they're going in the future. In the financial markets, to be able to compare and contrast two companies, and of course, you can never exactly compare, but you need a shorthand. That's how financial markets work, shorthands. And this is what this should give it, the ability to compare. But it can also show the evolution over time or the velocity of what a company is investing in. So companies that maybe five years ago were in the strongest position in the technology If they're asleep at the wheel, the analysis will show that because they're not keeping up with the pace of investment of their competitors. So the evolution and the pace of how and where a company is positioned is so key. Steve, what would be your message, given that the crown jewels of this information are held within the IP department at the moment? Well, I think the key is that they've got an incredible opportunity. And I've seen this over the last few years that they now have modern analytical tools to release the value of the world that they work in. And I'd encourage them to find their voice, to really engage with CFOs, with CEOs, to say, look, our area is critical to the core health of the company. We now have information we didn't have access to, And I really would encourage them to step forward and make that point within their companies. A tremendous opportunity for all of them. That's my world, Steve, encouraging the the IP professionals. Your world has always been dealing with the CFO or other CXOs. Would you give a different message to them? I would actually say that they have the ability for the first time to really understand for themselves where the company sits what the competitors are doing, and whether they are positioned well for the future. I mean, the responsibility of the CEO, sure, it's today's performance, but it's really about is the company positioned for the future. So I think through Cypher and all of the work you're doing, I think it's incredibly important to highlight to the CEO and the CFO what is possible. And by doing that, I think you'll find that your push-pull will happen in a different way. The boards will be pulling. And equally, the patent professionals need to push and be very strategic in their outlooks. And Scott, just thinking about bringing investors into that conversation with boards, how do you see that developing? I mean, I would echo everything Steve just said. I think it's inevitable that boards and investors are going to demand to understand more about a company's technological position. When they realize that that is possible through tools such as Cypher, that will snowball. So my final thought for everybody is to get ahead of that and try and talk as much as possible in the language of technologies and not just patents. And just to circle us back around to ESG, it does feel like we've all said that this could be the first wave where that reality actually comes true. We've talked about ESG and questions and the fact that ESG is so prominent for boards and for investors and actually looking at technologies potentially through a pattern lens, will be the start of the snowball. What do you see happening next after ESG? What are the questions that boards and investors are going to be asking that make us look back at the technologies and the pace of innovation? 
It is interesting. There's been a whole um, raft of investment vehicles, ETFs, created in the last five, 10 years that are driven by technology investing. So there's a very famous one, ARC, run by Cathy Wood. And what they do, they pick technology areas, could be robotics, could be genomics, whatever it is, and back companies in those spaces and let investors invest in a technology. That's without the benefit of understanding through patents what those technologies really are and how they stack up versus competitors. I think the trend of investing behind technology areas or themes is only going to grow. And information that lets you do that will become more and more important. So I think that's just another strand, just like ESG, to where this information can go. Steve, anything to add on that, given how we're presenting data around technology and innovation? The beauty of the universal technology taxonomy is you can actually spot what the fastest moving technologies are in the world. So you're able to see where is their pace, take semiconductors, take any other example of a fast moving technology area. As ETFs have been created where people are using NLP to look up key phrases to see whether a company is actually active. That just seems when you've got the potential to use Cypher to really show who owns the key intellectual property aspects of the technology, it's such a big advancement. And I think the more people realize what this area is capable of producing, it's only going to get stronger. So really, they appeal to anybody in that ETF or financial services space. They really need to just say, what have a look at Cypher and see what it's capable of. And remember, this is about looking, are companies positioned strategically for the future? And I think they've got a unique opportunity to make a difference in that one. So one of the themes I think we're, we're coming out with here, which has been a theme, I think, across a lot of Cypher Vision podcasts is this common language or common communication. And if we're thinking here about the, the IP professional, those in the boardroom and investors, what do you think the future holds? Steve, I'll start with you. I think what's going to happen is, you know, when Nigel and Steve Harris, they, they set up the company with Scott's backing eight years ago, you could argue they were they were certainly visionary, maybe slightly early. They're not early now. And I think what we'll do, if we could fast forward five years, we're going to be having a situation where technology and then an analysis of technology will become much richer, much more analytic. And we'll, what we're talking about today will become common currency. And it comes back to that opportunity over the next five years for the patent professionals to lead and drive that debate from and to be at the forefront of it. Maybe I'll just pick up on that. I think once you've got that base layer of understanding about what technologies patents protect and, and the value of a patent, I think then you'll see in financial markets an explosion of, of creativity, which always happens in different asset classes. So there'll be more lending against patents. There'll be more insurance against patents. There'll be more investment in equities through a window of patents. So you'll see this whole ecosystem developing on the back of the starting point, which is who owns what and how do you compare them. But you have to get the ground zero first, if you like, before you can build the rest of the house. Nigel, given all that we've heard across our number of different episodes, what do you think the future holds for the patent professional? I think our world, frankly, is no different to all other technologies. Things take longer than you expect to catch on, to become popular. And when they do, the change becomes 
quicker. It happens more quickly than you ever expected to. So think COVID, what that did for the adoption of different working practices and working from home. Think the slow adoption of electric cars and it's going to be 2025 before it's almost mandated globally. So I agree with Steve. This this is our time. This is our time to make the information available. It's our time to help with the education. It's the time for the IP community to proactively help the evolution which is taking place. For those people who choose to not engage, I think they'll simply miss an opportunity and be run over by those people who do. But look, this is not my session. This is Stephen Scott. So I get the pleasure of asking the big question, which is, What's your cipher vision? What would you like the listeners to take away from this discussion, Scott? I think in five, ten years' time, it'll be a world where patent and technology information is everywhere and is useful, and financial markets play on the back of it. So it's a whole new multi-trillion dollar asset class built on the back of information. Steve? As intangibles continue to grow in importance, that's only going one way. The need for data and analysis of companies' exposure to technologies is critical. And Cypher has this unique ability to map patents to technologies, and therefore it's perfectly positioned to make a difference to companies and investors all the way through my career, whether that be Wood McKenzie or Cypher. This isn't a rehearsal. We're in business to make a difference. And I just think Cypher has this huge potential to make a difference to this discussion. Well, that's a great discussion, but you have to ask yourself why Stephen Scott is so committed to patents. The stark reality is that they're not. They're committed to insight and value. What patent information offers is the potential to reveal facts about the current levels of investment in innovation in technology, the ability to x-ray companies, the ability to understand the DNA of their intangible assets. From an investor perspective, this is pure gold. Access to information about what companies and sectors are doing without the clutter of spin. From a strategic patent intelligence perspective, we have Scott as the first investor and Steve as the chairman of Cypher to thank for giving us the confidence and clarity to continue with our vision, which is to unleash the strategic value of patents and bring transparency to technology and innovation trends and break open the amorphous mass that we like to call intangibles. This is the last episode of season one of the Cypher Vision podcast. I just want to say a big thank you to all our guests who've joined us over the many episodes that we've had in season one. We will be back in season two in the new year. So please come and join us then. Thank you for tuning in to the Cypher Vision podcast series. Please continue the conversation on social using hashtag Cypher Vision and share your thoughts on today's episode on investing in the future of technology. Mm-hmm.